0: Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Macro Compass. Macro will dominate the next decade, and plenty of investment opportunities should consequently arise for macro investors. This is why I am working on the launch of my own macro fund. Early investors receive a very preferential fee treatment and free access to my flagship macro research. But over 50% of the available spots for early investors are now already filled. In case you want to secure your spot before it's too late, send an email to fund at themacrocompass.com and I will share with you a memo with more info. The minimum allocation to be eligible as an early investor is $250,000. Back to the article. People handle money every day, but they barely understand how our monetary system really works. Universities, economists, and mainstream media keep perpetrating false myths. For example, they say that central banks print money and cause inflation, and that the US must pay back its debt or it will go broke. In the past three years, I have produced several pieces to debunk this myth, but I've never written a condensed primer on how money really works. So here is my best attempt at a short note that should provide you with the most important basics and framework to understand our monetary system. There are two main different tiers of money, financial money and real economy money. That's your easy way to think about what operations are potentially inflationary and which ones are asset price inflationary only. Who prints financial and real economy money? Financial money is printed by central banks. For example, via QE, quantitative easing. The central bank changes the composition of the asset side of the financial institution's balance sheet via QE. It takes away the bonds from banks and it swaps them for bank reserves. Bank reserves are financial money. Have a look at the first chart in the article. Now, the trick is that reserves are not money for the private sector. They are money only for banks. And banks do not lend or multiply reserves. That's not how bank lending works. You want a real-life example? Have a look at the second chart in the article. In Japan in the 90s, bank reserves in red nearly doubled as the Bank of Japan went on with quantitative easing, and yet bank loans in blue shrank By 25% in the same period. Quantitative easing, so financial money printing, does not encourage banks to lend more. When lending, banks simply look at three features the credit worthiness of the borrower, the loan yield, and the required capital for the loan. If the trade off amongst these features looks good, banks will lend. If it doesn't, banks will not lend. This is despite a large amount of bank reserves, a small amount of bank reserves, it doesn't matter. A large amount of reserves has a virtual zero impact on the willingness and the ability of commercial banks to make more loans. Later on in the article, we will also see how lending does not involve multiplying existing reserves either. But back to the point, why do central banks print financial money? Why do they print bank reserves in the first place? Central banks print new financial money, for example via QE, to add interbank liquidity to add reserves to the system in periods of financial market stress. This helps banks to have more liquid balance sheets, transact with each other more freely and better, and stabilize repo markets. Think of it like oiling the monetary plumbing mechanism. But remember this financial money can never have an impact on the real economy. So, This is the financial money printing side, but who prints real economy money instead? That's governments via deficits and banks via lending. As the Bank of England itself shows, and have a look again at the third chart in the article, when making new loans, banks literally credit your account out of nowhere and therefore they also create new deposits you're getting credit against your future ability to generate cash flows to keep your salary and increase it. You can now spend a lot more money all of a sudden in the real economy through the use of this credit, which basically brings forward all your future ability to generate cash flows in the future. Please notice how banks are not multiplying existing reserves when lending. If you have a look at the chart in the article, you will see how the green box for reserves plays a completely passive role in the lending process. The banking system in aggregate creates new credit, new loans, which is the real economy money that after being spent, for example, let's say they made a mortgage and you're buying a house, it ends up on the account of the house seller as a new bank deposit in red in the chart. So lending expands the bank's balance sheets and it creates new real economy money, new potentially inflationary money for you to spend. Who else creates new real economy money is governments through deficits. They inject new spendable money for the private sector. If the government spends more than it collects taxes for, new money has literally been created. As you can see in the chart in the article, deficit spending increases the net worth of the private sector without adding a liability to it until later in the future probably you get taxed. But what happens when the government goes for the so demonized deficit spending? Let's analyze the chart in the article. The government blows a hole in its balance sheet, effectively creating negative equity through deficit spending. Now, public opinion would say it spent money it didn't have, and therefore it must borrow, so it must issue bonds. But have a look at what what the government really did. Let's say the government spent $100 by sending checks at home to people, so the private sector, which all of a sudden find their bank deposits, which have gone up by the same $100, without any liability immediately attached to it. That's literally an injection of new money for the private sector. So the government blew a hole in its balance sheet and increased people's net worth. Now, the main point here is that governments create the very money the private sector uses so it does not need to save or find money before it spends. Our self-imposed accounting rules require deficit spending to be financed by bond issuance, which banks, a highly regulated government entity, by the way, can just absorb by swapping reserves for bonds that are issued. Now, in one picture, you have two real economy money printers out there. You have the banks, They lend aggressively to the private sector, and when they do, they create new credit, new money, which can be spent in the real economy. And then you have governments, which via deficit spending, for example, cutting taxes or sending checks, effectively inject new resources for households and corporates. Have a look at the summarizing chart in the article. Now you see why all they told you about money printing so far is wrong. Yes, central banks do print money, but they print financial money, which is not inflationary. And if the U.S. would pay back all its debt, as you often hear on CNBC or other mainstream media, it would subtract huge resources from the private sector. That's much easier said than done. But now, what are the dangers of excessive real economy money printing? Because government deficits and bank lending increase the spending power of the private sector in a meaningful way, and it would be nice to receive checks from the government each year or get cheap and cheaper loans for years on end. But what's the main dan- danger of excessive real economy money printing? Well, it's inflation. Have a look at the last chart in the article. My global credit impulse index in orange measures the amount of and the pace of real economy money printing in the five largest economies in the world. It leads Rapid changes in inflation with an eighteen months lead time, and the chart shows how the coordinated gigantic fiscal and credit expansion of twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one culminated in excessive real economy money printing which led to a vicious inflation spike about eighteen months later in twenty twenty two The limits to government deficits and credit creation are therefore inflation and real resources, excessive deficit spending and bank lending create too much money for the private sector all at once, and if the supply of labor and real resources cannot expand rapidly to absorb this increase in excess demand, we get sharp bouts of inflation. Concluding, people handle money every day, but they barely understand how our monetary system really works. That's also because universities, economists, and mainstream media keep perpetrating false myths like that central banks print money and cause inflation, or that the US must pay back its debt or it will go broke. The reality is that there are two different tiers of money, financial money and real economy money. Central banks do print money, but they print financial money, which is not inflationary. The amount of financial money has zero influence on the real economy. Financial money printing, like QE, is used to oil the monetary plumbing mechanism. Governments through fiscal deficits and banks through lending print real economy money. They can increase the spending power of the private sector in a meaningful way, but the risk of excessive real money printing is inflation. Excessive deficit spending and bank lending create too much money for the private sector to spend all at once, and if the supply of labor and real resources cannot expand rapidly to absorb this increase in aggregate demand, we get sharp bouts of inflation. Now, understanding money will be crucial for investors, and macro investment opportunities will abound over the next decade. This is why I'm opening my macro fund. There are only 50% available spots for early investors. The rest has already been filled. If you want to secure your spot and the advantages that come with it, send an email to fund at themacrocompass.com, and I will be sharing with you a memo with more info. Remember, the minimum allocation to be eligible as an early investor at this stage is $250,000. Said that, I wish you a very nice rest of the weekend.